Wow, did you step the music up or something there, Luke? What? No, uh, that's our normal music. <laughs> it sounded like it was on on 45 for a second, but... <laughs> Maybe you were buffering. As if anyone knows what 45 is, but anyway, that's uh, that's, uh, that's another story. G'day, guys. Aussie Craft shooting the shit, and welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode, and tonight... We are returning to, excuse me, I've got cords on my on my feet, returning to Tasmania. What did you do? I think that's right. I hope it's right. Why did you stay away? <laughs> we were there two weeks ago and we're back. So, yeah, we're, we're back. And we're here with Lee White from Edge of the World Distillery. G'day, Lee. How are you, bud? Yeah, good, mate. Good. Good to see you all. Excellent, excellent. No, it's good. And we've got a we've got a full crew on tonight. Um yeah. two weeks ago, Luke was uh away and uh, Todd helmed it, IT and all, and uh and myself. So uh we got through it, Luke. Fantastic. I I didn't even check to see if you were okay. I just assumed that Todd would have it under control. He hasn't even checked to see if I actually recorded it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do that tomorrow. I'll do that tomorrow. <laughs> I was I was prepared just to walk away if, if if Todd couldn't do it. It was it was it was shit or bust. <laughs> well, I Todd and I were talking about that just off air. That if either of us somehow disappear, it just won't happen. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I, I suffer enough just with my Gmail, so uh, <laughs> yeah. Anything above that, and don't get me started. Turning about you. on your computer is a bit of a challenge, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, all right. So we're all here, and we've all, I think, would have something in our glass. So uh, let's just go around the room and uh, let's let's see what everyone's drinking tonight, eh? So let's start with you, Lee. What do you got in your glass, mate? Uh, I've got a little bit of Hobart whiskey, keeping it in the state. Uh, <laughs> gone back to their uh, their first release. So, uh, very nice. The American Oak X Bourbon, yeah, way back in 1801, their first release in 2018. 2018, God, yeah. Mm. I think I've had almost every Hobart release after a um, a night at the uh, distillery with John Jarvis. Yes. I don't remember many of them. Actually, I don't remember any of them, though. No, that's the best thing about nights with John. Is, uh, <laughs> I've, I've had a few myself. So, uh. yeah, yeah, being a tourist in 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 Hobart the next day was a little difficult. It was a struggle, <laughs> but it's good stuff. <laughs> that's it right. You, you you two were uh, co-hosting that night, weren't you? Oh, and, uh, co-hosting is the, is the optimum word there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We may have been in our own little world. Having <laughs> yeah, your own little party. It was there was a show within a show that episode, if I remember mm -hmm. rightly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Definitely. Anyway, so on that note, what do you got, Luke? What, what's in your glass? I'm now? I'm bending the rules a little bit. Yeah. Uh, really. I haven't gone. I haven't gone Australian. Oh. But I have gone a guest. Starwood, no, no, um, Westwood, Westwood, the Westwood rum cask, yeah, um, because it's just really good, mm. yes. And, um, 
I didn't want to crack open my bottle of IM2. Fair enough, too. Fair enough, too. So, they're pretty rare. rare. Got to be lucky yeah, to get one. I, of those. I figured I, I've got to. I've got to keep it. I've got. I've been through almost everything else. Yes, I know. I'm. I, I'm bending the rules. Actually, I'm. I make the rules. So I mean, <laughs> I'll take it. But yeah, that's. It's one of my favorites. Uh, this is the Whiskey Club exclusive release version of it. Yes. Wherever we are. There we are. Yeah. It's got a nice little pewter action on it. Very feely. But no, so I'm, nice. I'm doing that. Well, Miles Monroe, the head distiller at Westwood, he's an honorary Australian anyway, I think. he's He's been down here a fair bit and he's got a pretty a pretty good reputation down here and uh, he loves coming back to Australia. So, uh, yeah, I think you're okay tonight. I, I think you can, you can go away with that. So I'll get away good. with it. I get a pass. I get a pass. You get, you get a pass on that, yeah. What do you got, Luke? Not Luke, our Todd, sorry. Uh, Todd, what do you got, mate? Other Luke. Yeah, other Luke. I'm going to start <laughs> with um, Newcastle Moonshine. Moonshine. All right. Is right. it a bit different? It's a bit different. And we've, uh, we've actually got yeah. Lucas uh, watching at the oh, moment, yeah. so oh, don't pull a face when you drink it. Again. Right. And then I'm going to go on. Then I'm going to go on to these guys. Okay, you're staying New South Wales. New South Wales all the way tonight, apart from maybe a breakout to in India. Mm. Okay. All right. All right. So, well, since we're sharing everything, I'll just do the other whiskey club bottle that's had a bit of a hit. Yeah, <laughs> but Paul John's always good though. John's pretty good. Mm. Actually, that you that will. leads me to an interesting question. Oh no, we'll we'll find out. I'll come back to my question. What are you drinking, crafting? So I'm just going to stick with the one tonight. So I picked this up. They're ten year old Smiths. Ten year old, right? Yep. From uh, South Australia. Now, um, these guys. Um, it was it was one of the very first. Australian whiskies that, that I tried many, many moons ago. I think it was a six-year-old or an eight-year-old or, or something like that. Uh, and it was, yeah, an absolute stunner. And uh, Smith's went quiet for quite a few years. Um, they're out of uh, Angerston, uh, out, of, out of the, they're out of the winery, I think, from memory. Yeah, Yellumba Winery. They're out of the Yellumba Winery. So this is their coming back on the scene, and this is a 10-year-old. Um, and I thought it was a sherry cast, but um, just reading the back. And it's aged in a selection of casts for eight years and finished two years in a combination of casts previously used for our musket, antique musket release. So uh, really colour. She's pretty rich. Yeah. yeah. So, Very nice. I'm going to pour one of those. That's what I'm on tonight. All right. Well, let's let's kick it off. Let's um, Lee. Let's what was your, let's. What was your question, Lukey? Well, oh, you... so as a non-distiller myself and a passionate enthusiast, listening to everybody, well, all of our guests talk about the unique Australian climate. India obviously has. A very unique climate in in comparison yeah. to Scotch. 
and and uh, bourbon and even even Australian whiskey. Do you think there are similarities between the aging process that we have here in Australia versus India, or do you think like are there synergies there that you see, or are they just completely fucking different? Thoughts. Who's it for? All of you. For the panel. Everyone who's actually running a still. With, with Just off the cuff, I would suggest that it's a bit like saying everything in Australia would have the same conditions and would be the same thing as well. Uh, it, it would be so diverse, mm. the, the, well, the, the humidity the, changes and the, the actual yeah. difference across the whole scope of India would be so massive that it's like saying, you know, my West Coast mm. Tassie whiskey is going to taste the same as someone in our springs. Probably be interesting to pose the question to, um, uh, oh, gosh, I've forgotten. Uh, willing distillery up in uh, Darwin, they would probably be a uh, similar type climate in some ways to uh, to India. Yeah, certainly to um, southern India and and maybe central. Yeah, yeah. Once you get into northern India, you're you're pushing up into the Himalayas and mm. high and forest and probably a bit more like a bit more like Tassie maybe even in the far north. Yeah, right. So where in Tassie are you? Uh, we're on the, we're on the wild west coast, mate. So we're we're best based in a tiny little town called Arthur River, uh, mm-hmm. and it is on the on the actual west coast of Tasmania. So Matt, some of you may have heard of Cape Grim. There's a uh, there's a uh, weather station there. So they have the Cape Grim water and measure the wind speeds and and all those sorts of things. That mm-hmm. it, uh, it measured the freshest air in the world in uh, oh back in the early nineties, something like that. So. Uh, we're, we're battered by the roaring 40s winds, so mm. uh, part of our uh, our ethos, I guess, and, and part of our logo, if you like, is about the the size of the world and, and the edge of the world. So just down the road from us is a, is a lookout called the Edge of the World Lookout. Right. And, and we look out over the mouth of the Arthur River and out over the Edge of the World Lookout at Arthur mm. River. And what sort of climate have you got? So obviously... Uh, cold, cold most of the time. Uh, <laughs> fairly chilly, fairly windy. And we're they're we're, not very warm the other half of the time. Yeah. We're, we're immersed in sea mist most of the time. The the massive waves just crash on the rocks nearly every day, unless we get yeah, a few wow. days of, of strong easterly winds. Mm-hmm. Uh, then it blows the water a little bit flat if we get easterlies for a while. Uh, but other than that, if it's a westerly pushing in from, well, it, it goes, as I say, it goes two-thirds of the way around the globe, leaves the coast of Patagonia, uh, misses the south of South Africa because we're too far south hmm. uh, and hits the west coast of Tasmania. That's some very exotic wind. Yeah, so the winds and the rain and the and the fresh air uh, come straight from there. Right. How does so that affect you? like an exotic place. So why yeah. why there, Lee? Have you, have you lived there a long time? Is... Uh, no, no, we don't, we don't actually live there. We, we still live, we're on the north, we live and work on the northwest coast. So my partner in business and in life, uh, we, we both still work full time. Right. Um, so uh, we're based in a place called Burnie on the northwest coast. So it's still sort of that, that top northwest coast of Tassie, that top left-hand corner, if you like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the distillery is still 130 kilometres away from where we live, right. and we we've got a shack down there. So uh, the whole the whole idea, I guess, was born from um, the, my growing passion in whiskey, 
and and then I started thinking about uh, actually wanting some barrels to age at the shack in the sea air and and I'm a bit of a an old Pulteney tragic, so I thought maybe I could emulate some old Pulteney in amongst there somewhere and get the sea mist and sea air. And wouldn't it be great to use the our actual water that comes off the the roof of the shack? That's our rainwater tanks has a natural mm. salt content to it because yep. the roof's just bathed in sea mist all the time. Yeah, so wow. Wouldn't it be great to make some whiskey and water back some whiskey with that and age it in some barrels down there for a while? started talking to a few guys around the place about how I could do that um, and I quickly found out that it would be cheaper to uh, build a little distillery myself and make it on site rather than carting uh, our rainwater uh, 300 kilometres to the nearest distillery and, and back again. <laughs> right. So how does the – so that salty air, tell us about how that is affecting your – spirit so obviously you've got your uh your wild mist gin yes which yeah, sounds delicious it is it's it's awesome i should have sent you some if we'd had a probably had a bit more notice on uh, when we were happening you, you could have been sipping a sample this evening Sorry. <laughs> look there's still time there's still, still time mind as well um <laughs> uh so yeah we we don't find that it actually gives us a, a pure salinity in its own right. So you don't taste, it doesn't taste like salty water. It doesn't taste like you're drinking seawater. Yep. Um, but do find like lots of other things, salts and that sort of thing, when you put it on food or MSG, those sorts of flavour boosters, it, if anything, it tends to boost sweetness for us in our gin, which is right. quite interesting. We, we find that without it, if we use other water or anything like that in test batches, that that um, it take the, the gin tastes a little bit flatter and, and not quite as boosted on the sweetness. So whether there's something in the salinity that gives you that perception on your palate, um, and yeah, I know through it, it's certainly not off the still itself, but our, our gin's forty eight percent alcohol, uh, mm -hmm. so that means it's fifty two percent of our pure rainwater. So it still has wow. quite an influence on our on our spirit. Now, I'm gonna I'm gonna put up. A just a uh, a map location of where you are. Yep. Because there is nothing, nothing. There is nothing on the other there. side of you. <laughs> no, that's, that's oh right. wow. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah so we're a little ways from there. Yeah. So. I literally just whacked Edge of the World into Google Maps there. Yep. So I'm hoping that's the rough area. You did say yes. you were overlooking the look the Yes, the, so the Edge of the World lookout, which is at the head of the Arthur River, is is literally yep. 200 metres from our distillery. Yeah, right. Yep. So that is an awful lot of uh, empty space out there. And yep. there's lots of wild west coast. Yeah, Wow. So you're of... an hour and a half, uh, an hour or so away from the distillery as well. Yeah, we're about about an hour and forty minutes, something like that, on a decent day. So we're if you have a look on that map, we're we're in Burnie. So uh, you have to travel out through Smithton across the coast yep. to Whitmead, and we're sort of half the way to to Launceston, if you like. Yeah, yeah, beautiful part of the world. That I was. Um, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, I was up in yeah. Deviat not long ago, and just beautiful yep. spot. Absolutely yeah. beautiful. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, have you always been in Tassie? 
Uh, yes. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, I say absolutely. Uh, came out from the UK when I was a whole seven years old. So uh, that's yeah, probably that's, long enough to say that. That's, where, that's where the whiskey journey started for me, I guess. That's uh, that's where it all began, was, was back in the UK. Mm. My, uh, my grandfather used to own a pub in, in North Devon. And I spent right. my... Uh, my tiny years crawling around the lounge bar floor <laughs> and uh, out in the Skittle Alley and the, and the dartboard uh, area of the, of the lounge bar in, in his pub in North Devon. Right. Yeah. So, it's so you got your taste of alcohol pretty early then. Yeah, yeah. Got, no, no point messing around. <laughs> <laughs> and growing up, it was always, always a big thing for him for any celebration, and that was... was uh, Shivas Reek was a, was his favourite drop, so it was always uh, we'll get out a whiskey to to toast any mm -hmm. sort of special occasion or, or event or or date. Right. So yeah. so then, do you think that shaped your your palate or your preferences probably, at all? Probably not. They were they were fairly early days in my whiskey journey, um, and and it's sort of grown a lot from there over the last sort of ten years. It's really developed, I guess, from from just liking it and drinking it through to collecting um through to running tasting nights so I, we've got a little group here in bernie on the northwest coast that we run tasting nights mm. with a, a local cafe there's a, a coffee shop just up the road from our house called infused coffee and rob and the guys from infused coffee are, uh, are a big whiskey avid whiskey fans so we're called the whiskey nice. enthusiasts after uh, <laughs> after infused coffee um and yeah, started running tasting nights, been doing that for a few years, uh, started collecting, started uh, buying some investment barrels. I'm a founding member of Adams Distillery. Right. So sort of, it's just sort of grown and then uh, ended up being uh, something I couldn't turn off, I think, really, and uh, stumbled my way into needing a distillery because of the location that we had of the shack and just thought, what a, what a great place to, mm. to put a distillery. Um mm such a wild location and the ability to access that water, that, that rainwater um, and the barrel aging facility that we've built now is, is designed around that as well. Yeah. So right. It's all to make the most of those westerly winds and the, and the sea mist and the sea air. So it's all open to the air. Is it the, the barrel? Uh, no, it's not, not all open. Basically we've built a, built a shed above a, a bunker. So we've, we've harped back to the, a lot of the, the Tassie whiskies, I guess, suffer from small barrel and, and hot Midlands, dry plains temperature fluctuations, which is yep. which is great for aging things quickly, um, and lots of ex barrel extraction, but not necessarily for um, for building a nice, rounded, mature spirit that's not super hot. Uh, so I wanted to go a little bit more traditional. So we built our bunker, basically mimicking a you know a Dunnage style aging facility so we built the the downstairs into the bank so it's got a retaining wall built into a, a sand bank uh the floor is still gravel for to control the humidity in the room so the room doesn't sweat at all and all right. the western wall is is full of air vents so the right. whole west the prevailing westerly winds blow the sea mist in into the room huh. and out through a big vent in the door so it's got a massive right. airflow through the barrel aging room huh so do you end up with like um, a bit of a, a some sort of caked salt and whatnot on the barrels, or uh, we end up with a bit of sand on there from all the wind blowing sand in? Have <laughs> to dust them off occasionally, um, but no, we haven't got to caked on salt just yet. I guess we're yep. uh, 
we're still fairly new, so we've only our oldest whiskey's only just coming up for three years now, right? And all still sitting in barrels, so we haven't had a first release or anything like that at all yet. We're just giving it its time, mm-hmm. and it'll let. What us are you know sort of predicting as your? Uh, 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 look for, for, for cash flow. It was probably twelve months ago. Uh, for, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. It, it certainly wasn't ready when we tasted it at the end of summer this year. We haven't tried it over the winter months, so uh, it may have settled down a little bit and, and rounded off a bit more towards this summer. But we'll, we'll test it in the next sort of month or six weeks before we, we raise some temperatures in the barrel aging room again with some slightly warmer weather. Mm. Um, so we don't overcook things. Our first few batches are moderately small barrels. They're, all, they're mainly 50-litre barrels. Right. Um, but that's only really the first couple of batches that were released. We quickly went to hundreds, and now we're all purely two hundreds. Um, mm. So we tried to keep on that bigger, longer, slower style yeah. of age from from Very as early nice. as we possibly could. Yeah. Mm. Long and slow. Yeah, so, Lee. So after one year in a hundred liter barrel, compared yep. to you said you're going into two hundred liter barrels now. Um, if, if you could put them side by side, what sort of difference in the flavour would you pick? Are you picking more maturity in flavour in the 100 litre versus 200 litre or is much of a muchness? I'm curious. Yeah, much of a muchness, really. That I don't know. There's not a stark difference in reality. Yeah. Um, yeah. Both are still tasting fairly young at that point, I guess. Maybe, maybe neither of them have done a heck of a lot at all at that point because it, it is a lot colder and a lot slower down there on the west coast right um, so maybe that's just impeding both of them and we're not seeing a massive difference because the hundred hasn't really taken off either um but yeah it's 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 interesting i i find the the whole process of that is a whole nother ball game that i'm not not particularly, have, haven't done a lot of. I've tasted a lot of barrels over the time, but not really my own and tracked them all and tried to make decisions. So that whole barrel management side of the business is, is certainly an interesting interesting process. Sure mm. is. And what, what sort of barrels are you using? <laughs> ah, mm-hmm. Well, because I wasn't very good at uh, knowing barrel management and, and our spirit was a bit of a shot in the dark as well, we've made up a bit. We're a little bit like you guys, I guess. We've gone fairly heavy on the um, on the specialty malts. Right. Um, so we're trying to push that uh, that profile. I guess if in my, in my, t- my tiny little brain, I had a, a forethought of of where I'd like the spirit to end up. And, and we certainly put a, a heavy amount of caramel malt and a heavy amount of dark roasted chocolate malt in there to push the, the caramel chocolate profile, a little bit of coffee and those sorts of things fairly heavily into the into the mix, uh, mm. hoping that that mixed with a bit of salty, salty water from our roof uh, would give us some sort of nice salted caramel chocolate profile in, in the background of our whiskey. Yeah, uh, which awesome. kind of sounded like a nice place to end up. Um, and and I, I've certainly heard your comments, Crafty, about your your early stout recipes and those sorts of things and how, yeah, when we tasted our first batch at about 12 months and all I could taste was chocolate. Mm. Like, yeah. oh, God, oh, God, what have I done? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so at three years, it's it's a lot more balanced, which is, yeah. which is nice. Yeah. 
still present, but a lot more balanced. So that's good. Oh, nothing better yeah. than salted chocolate, though. Yeah, that's, that's what I thought. I thought that would go okay. Salted oh, chocolate. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I personally think, um, you know, based, based on my limited experience of it, that the those heavier uh, roasted notes, they do tend to integrate and smooth out uh, over time for sure. Yep. Um, and it's a bit, it's a bit like I, I put it in the same category as as peated malt. Um, you know, if, if you want a a really peaty whiskey, you go for a young one. If if you if you want it more balanced and and elegant and in the background, then then you let it, you let it rip for a, a few more years. I think it's the same. I, th I think it's exactly the same. Yep. Mm. Yeah, certainly the way it's going. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And with your barrels, are, are you, um, you, you know, you're, you're quite fortunate. You've got a number of cooperages in yep. uh, Tasmania. Um, just down the road in a lot of cases, which. Well, you know, a little bit down the road. <laughs> <laughs> we're quite, quite envious of that for sure. Um, are you getting? Are you going into, for example, bourbon barrels? Are you just re reusing bourbon barrels uh, uh, when, when they're imported, or are you getting them recharred? Or, uh, no, they're, they're they're all done. Uh, fortunately, I was lucky enough to get in with Transwood Cooperage before they yep. cut off their list. Yes. So deal, dealing with them for a couple of years now since they established down at Adams. Uh, so all our barrels are coming through through those guys. So uh, yeah, we we. Uh, Retoast and rechar all our barrels through through Transwood. Yeah, right. Mm. So, how, how many cooperages are, are there in Tassie now? I, I can think of. I think there's the four now, isn't there? The, is the main one, and probably one about to be built. I guess if Callington Mill are going to bring theirs on. Mm. Yeah, yeah, well. yeah, so yeah. That's... The, the Tassie Tiger at the Shane Estate, the Tasmanian Cast Company, and Transwood are the three existings. Um, and then I think John's talking about uh, building building one at Callington Mill as well, if there isn't one there already. I haven't, yeah. haven't, haven't been there yet, so I desperately want to go there, but if it hasn't lined up just yet. How yeah, far away would it be? I was very you. disappointed. Uh, that, would be, that would be sort of three hours from, from us to Callington oh, yeah. Mill. Yep. Not too bad. No. Sorry, Luke, you were saying? you were. I, uh, I drove past Callington Mill. I could see it. As I went past, but it was it was closed. It's a sensation. And John wasn't there. It was very disappointing. Yep. <laughs> yes, you had an invitation, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. So, so going back to your barrel question, Luke, there that I skipped over and we got sidetracked on. Um, mm. Out of our out of our first dozen barrels, we've got nine different barrel types. Right. Uh, so essentially, I was shotgunning to try and find what what our spirit would go best with. Uh, mm -hmm. Most of those are bourbon, and ongoing, the majority of our barrels have been bourbon barrels. Yep. Uh, but we've got ports, sherries, aperas, uh, tokays, muskets, rum, uh, pinots, chardonnay. <laughs> uh, we've done the, the whole lot. Everything, yeah. Yeah. I do like the way the rum casks are tasting with it. I don't know whether that's a play on the sort of the rum and the chocolate and the that sort of thing, but the rum casks mm. are, are, are doing okay for us. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, so are the bourbons. Nice. Pinot cask isn't doing too bad either, actually. I quite like a Tassie Pinot, so I, I could be <laughs> going on the on the red wine barrels too. Yeah, wow. Well, I'm 
my love of salted chocolate, uh, certainly I'll be looking forward to uh, to your first release, whenever Ooh. that may be. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, hopefully, it would be in six weeks' time. <laughs> I'll taste. I'll taste it in a fortnight, and it'll be perfect. Um, yeah. Because we haven't tasted it in sort of six or nine months over winter. Um, yeah, right. But um, I, I fully expect it to need another year at least. Yeah, right. I wouldn't be surprised if it's just not not there just yet. Uh, good things come to those who wait. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we're not going to we we're not under super pressure to to jump. We're we're super small. Um, we're sort of self sufficient. As I said, we both still work full time, so we're not relying on on as an income so it certainly will come when it's ready is, is when it'll get released yeah right then, then the hope is that uh, the, the five to ten year plan is to not be doing what i'm doing now and transition out of that and uh, get to live on the west coast of tassie and make whiskey as a as something fun to do <laughs> living the dream living the dream go, just go back to the um the, the tasting side lee because I, I find this quite fascinating um so when when you taste the barrel, you you got you got an idea in the sense that you know how old it is, you know that probably the history of the barrel and that, and then you pull something out and you taste it, and as you well know, one day it can taste a certain way, another day it can taste another way. So what's your process for eliminating that variable? in your own tasting have you assembled a, a tasting panel uh do you trust your own palate enough to just release on that or, or do you put it out to other people i certainly won't trust my own palate uh for a release i trust yeah. my own palate as, as a screening tool right um, just to go do i think it's ready at all and if i'm anywhere near it then it'll go out to a tasting panel so um we're sort of blessed down here in a, in a sort of small area, if you like, to have a number of fairly significant people around the place that have been in the industry a long time that we can access fairly easily. So uh, mm. there'll, there'll be mailing packs being sent to uh, everyone with the name Lark or uh, <laughs> Jarvis or, or, or Overeem or, <laughs> or, or John Jarvis and, and those sort of guys and, and the Adams guys and Matthew Cooper yeah. from Fanny's Bay. I, I've got a lot of time for Matthew at Fanny's Bay. That's a... Yes. I remember many years ago, it was when I was just starting to think of the dream, I walked into his, his sort of six by nine garage on the on the coast and, and went, this is exactly what I want to build. It was mm. very much, very basic. We're going to be, you know, we're super small. We're, we're you know, you, you, you thought you were the last of the bootstrapping uh, distilleries around the place, but no, that's that us. We came after you and uh, we've literally done it just... We fill barrels when we've got a spare sort of three to five thousand dollars. We go and buy a bag of grain and a couple of barrels and and a box of yeast, and off we go and we run it. And then we, we wait until we've saved up another batch and, and we go again. Uh, so certainly for the first couple of years, it was done just sort of hand to mouth. Really, when we had enough spare cash, we went off and did that. Um, mm. The gin release from sort of August last year has helped a little bit. It's given us a bit more cash flow. That's been that's been fairly well received on the market, so we're mm -hmm. we're, doing, we're much happier with that, having a bit of steady flow of money coming in rather than just uh, what you can earn and what you can put aside out of you out of your own pocket, which makes it a bit mm -hmm. more difficult. Well, if anyone wants to uh, buy that gin, um, 
as I just did, edgeoftheworlddistillery.com.au. There we are. Very nice. <laughs> yeah. So that's a, that's a different world, Lee. Um, I mean, you, you've been talking about whiskey and, and whiskey is your passion. Yeah. Uh, and then, then to go into to, uh, to gin, it's, yeah, it's a different world, isn't it? It's, so how did, how did you apply yourself to gin and developing a recipe and, it, and getting it, was, it out there? Actually, <laughs> it, it was interesting um, in that uh, I'd, I'd always been a bit of a whiskey purist and, and even in the early days we weren't, we weren't even going to be called Edge of the World Distillery. We were going to be called Edge of the World Whiskey mm, right. only. Right. And I thought, we're just going to do whiskey. We're not going to do anything else. I'm, I'm a whiskey guy. I love whiskey, and that's what we're doing. Um, and, and then and the, someone more, else. the more I read and the more I studied, the more I got interested in just distilling in its own right um, and and the differences. And I, and I still remember the first time we ran a little 50-litre test batch off. I was amazed at how the, the profile changes in a whiskey run off the still, just tasting it as it comes off and... Mm. Uh, and, and it was like, yeah, okay, there's something else going on. It doesn't just come off as whiskey that all tastes the same. Um, and and then the the growing idea of well, what else can we do with it? Uh, I've got I've got a massive long list of other things I want to do uh, when we've got more spare time and, and more spare money. Yeah, uh, we'll get there eventually. Um, but yeah, the the gin obviously there's there's a bit of a there's a much quicker turnaround on those sorts of things, uh, as you would know, um, yep. and there's a fairly voracious market for it at the moment. Uh, mm. So that sort of tempted us a little bit. And then and then we sort of thought about how we could link it back to, to really where we are. So we, we only have one gin at the moment. Um, there are some plans. We've got a second one that's that's got to tasting stage, um, but we haven't put it to market yet because we found it doesn't really go with tonic very well. So releasing a gin that doesn't go with tonic is a might be a bit of a shoot yourself in the foot type of scenario. <laughs> yeah, um, they can't go we, hand in hand. But we may sort of release it as a as a sipping gin because uh, it yeah. actually, as as does our wild mist gin, uh, it goes really well just on the rocks, just as a sipper mm. and drink it straight. Yeah, um, mixes just uh, if you really like a mixer or you want to sweeten it or whatever, then you can chuck whatever you want in it but but it actually stands up quite well in, it, in its own right as a as almost a liqueur a sipping liqueur type of type of drink it uh, uh all right pretty pretty happy and pretty impressed with it really would you recommend for your um uh look the the fever tree mediterranean tonic that's fairly light that isn't overpowering um is, yep. is pretty good. If you want to go the budget route, the, the actual Schweppes no sugar tonic is, is we find it balances a little bit better. The, the, the sugar tonic tends to be a little bit sweet and it, it's sweet yeah. and bitter at the same time, the, the Schweppes tonic. So it's not yeah. a little bit unbalanced, yeah. uh, but the no sugar one tends to drop that sweetness and that's a little bit flatter, a little bit more, you know, nondescript if you like as a tonic, a bit like the Mediterranean. Mm lighter in style so the no sugar goes okay um but yeah i like it neat on ice just just to sit and sip them nice at all would you call it a winter gin or a summer gin oh no it's it's certainly a some more of a summer style if you like um yep. uh and we haven't sort of played the game that that lots of the others do we're just doing sort of a standard dry and a slow gin and a 
yeah, that sort of thing. We've, we've tried to keep it, although quite a few of our um, botanicals are widely used, I guess. Uh, mm. uh, it's pretty much the combo that comes into play f for us that makes it about of where course. we are. And your water. Yeah, and, and the water. So, uh, yeah, the gin's based on our location, which is a, the mouth of a river, So, and we're on the edge of the Tarkine Wilderness. So it's mm. about the wilderness meets the sea, if you like, which is our yeah, exact yeah. location. Which um, does so, sound really, really nice. Yeah, so the, the sea side of it is is about uh, we yeah the salt content of our rainwater. Uh, we boost that sort of salt profile a little bit by adding some salt bush yep. uh, to it, um, and that's the, the sea side. The bush side of it uh, for our gin it comes from our the main one is lemon myrtle. Uh, and that's your main profile. There is a bit of a citrusy profile to it, although there's no pure citrus in it, but there's there's a fairly heavy lemon myrtle hit. Mm -hmm. um, and then we've got a bit of Tassie pepperberry in there for a bit of mid-palate length, uh, so it doesn't just uh, hit you in the face and then disappear. It sort of lingers on the palate a little bit more with a, with a bit of pepper in there. Uh, we boost that along with a bit of cardamom as well. Uh, and then we've also got some eucalyptus in there as well for an even longer palate. Yeah, um, right. If you keep it lean on the eucalyptus, you don't get the menthol, the overpowering menthol sort of side of it. You actually just yep. get a lengthening, and lengthening in the palate from mm. the eucalyptus itself. Bit of blackberry in there as well. And then all your standards, your juniper, coriander, bit of iris root, bit of licorice root for a sweetness. Yeah, right. And a beautiful rainwater. So I'm it's about yeah, bush meets the sea, basically. Mm. I was going to ask you about the eucalyptus. Um, that, that would have been quite a difficult one, I would imagine, to, to get right. So in, yeah. in, in your R&D stage, you played yeah. around with, with the eucalyptus? Uh, played around a, with it a lot, and it ended up getting, I think it ended up about a quarter of where we started in dose because yeah. we found some people were actually quite sensitive to it and all they could taste was menthol. They just went, this this. Tastes like tastes like Mentos. I don't know what you're doing, but it, <laughs> it tastes like peppermints and, and menthol, and and that's all I taste. It, it was just overpowering, even though I couldn't taste it. But so very much, you, you've got to be careful with your own palate. Mm. Uh, in, in that, yeah, I couldn't taste it at all and didn't know what the problem was. But we had a few people feedback to us that, yeah, hang on, all I can taste is eucalyptus, and it just wow. fingers and it just hangs. So yeah, we have yeah. to be. Super careful with the eucalyptus and it. It's yeah. one of those really punchy flavors, isn't it? That you either like it or you don't. Yep. Quite polarizing. Yeah, yeah, it is. And and like, well, I couldn't taste it at four times the dose, so I certainly can't. <laughs> I can't. I don't notice it particularly as a, as a in as a descript flavor in its own right. Mm -hmm. um, but you, you when you know it's there, you can sort of you can taste mm -hmm. it lingering on your palate at the end. And is it a particular type of eucalypt that no, you're using, no. or no, just no. a standard eucalypt? Stock standard eucalyptus from uh, from austral herbs, just their dry eucalyptus leaves. Yep, right. Okay. Uh huh. Uh huh. Lucas is so funny. Polarizing <laughs> <laughs> like Luke's Luke's joke. Spot joke. Have you been <laughs> Really? Oh. <laughs> I thought they were just statements of observation. <laughs> I remember talking to a, um, I can't even remember who it was, but it was um, 
a distillery and they wanted to play around with eucalyptus um, staves. Ooh. So to actually, I don't know how you would do it with oak, but, but to insert a couple of eucalyptus staves and it was like, holy crap, talk about <laughs> making yeah. life hard and, and, and you wouldn't know what you had, would you? Mm. I know that would be interesting. Uh, I know in the very, very early days, going back many, many years when I was just messing around, um, I thought wouldn't it be wouldn't it be great to somehow be able to incorporate hue and pine, uh, given that we're on the west coast of Tasmania and it's pretty famous for its hue and pine. Yeah. Uh, no, you can't you can't use hue and pine. <laughs> unless you like is it? Unless you like drinking Dettol, don't use hue and pine. <laughs> Isn't it all just about the the quantity then? Point one of a gram of hue and pine in it. Yep. <laughs> Stick with oak. There's a reason why oak's used. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. Tried and tested. Actually, that'd be end. interesting. Would you look at barrel aging your gin? Yeah, good question. Yeah, a- absolutely. Um Again, it's uh, it's time and funds and, and those sorts of mm. things uh, to be able to have the the time to work it out and play with it is is certainly what the future holds for us is um, our ability to to put a bit more time and effort into R and D and messing around with some of those other things. But yeah, I'm very much mm. interested in doing some barrel aged gin. Definitely. And what sort of still do you have? Uh, I've got a uh, a triple H still from Western Australia. Right. So Hilton is it still? Okay. Uh, give us some. Only, give us only, some a tiny, only a tiny little thing. We've only got a little two hundred liter still. Right. Yeah, yep. Someone with one smaller than ours. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> not, it's not about the size. It's about no, how you no, use it. I know it. what you do with it. I know. I understand these <laughs> <laughs> I'd. Uh, yeah, I dearly love to go to about a thousand or something like that. I don't think we'd need to be much bigger than that, uh, but mm. it would be good to put a uh, thousand litre wash still in and then and then end up using our two hundred as our spirit still. Mm. Uh, we've been pretty happy with how it's performed. It's actually been quite predictable um, and quite manageable in its own right. So that that's been good. Been happy with the the uh, the spirit that it's putting out, uh, but it's it's a wee bit small when you want to do some volume. It takes a a lot of runs, yeah. <laughs> runs to fill a barrel, and it's it's a bit painful sometimes. So bigger is uh, is useful sometimes when you you're short on time as well. So, mm. so how many runs for a two hundred liter barrel? Uh, oh, geez, that would take us. Uh, there'd be about a dozen runs through the still all up. Does mm. fifteen by the time you've done three or four wash runs to do a spirit run, and then you've done another three batches, and yeah. So you're talking sort of 12 to 15 runs through the still to, to get a 200-litre barrel full. Yeah. Yep. Some effort. But yeah, we're, we're fairly small. Even when we're at full, we're nowhere near full where I want to be on production side of it. Um, mm-hmm. I'd like to be in the three three to 5,000 litres a year range uh, of mm-hmm. production when we get there. Uh, but we're nowhere near that. We're, we're, uh, we've had a lot of problems with our building. We've waited nearly two years for a new building to be built. Uh, we were running out of a single car garage and a shipping container for quite some, quite some time, and and yeah, building with the building constraints and our location, 
blew the cost out big time on a shed build um, and ended up being, yeah, over two years delayed before we could get our new shed off the ground, which was really only signed off about two and a half, three months ago by council to on our new build. Oh, wow. So we've really only had a decent space even for, for not very long at all. So mm. there'll be a bit of production push now for the for the next sort of 12 months or so. Got some catching up to do. <laughs> so, so for you, Lee, is it a is it like a weekend thing? You you pack up on a Friday, head down there, do it, do the hard day uh, and night. And then yes, it's sort of a weekend day. thing. For, fortunately, my my job is a four on four off job. Oh, okay. So, okay. so um, it gives yeah, us yeah. a bit of a chunk of time, so we don't waste half our time just driving down there. But yeah, there aren't many blocks of days off that we're we're not driving west and and heading to the shack to to do something. Mm -hmm. So yeah, a weekend, but it's a long weekend, so that's good. Nice, and it's and it's an actual shack with proper beds and yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. as opposed to a caravan. <laughs> uh, yes, it's it running down. water and electricity and, and all those things. <laughs> oh, you're and doors. a luxury. Yeah, bloody <laughs> <Not a> luxury. <laughs> It is really. It's it's a wonderful part of the world as well. I love spending time there, sitting by the wood heater and uh, mm. and sipping on uh, anyone's other juice and and just uh, relaxing as the wind blows at 110 kilometres an hour outside the walls, <laughs> <laughs> which happens most weeks. <laughs> Jeez, that that's a lot of wind. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, 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 when it comes in, you know it's it's happening. Jeez, you'd feel everything moving. Uh, yeah, yeah, we've we've had the front wall of the shack above the sliding door uh, coming in sort of 15 or 20 centimetres with the wind that's just sort of woo and bowing in. It's, uh, we've, had some wild, we've had some wild nights down there. So, so the caravan wouldn't work really, Crafty? Uh, I'd say it would be blown across to the east coast. <laughs> Especially with the lack of insulation in the current caravan, it would be... You need some sand anchors, I reckon. <laughs> <Stand> <laughs> oh, your swag would go pretty well as well, Todd. Well, I'm sure it would go a long way. <laughs> Wee! Probably, probably the, the caravan. Yeah. Does the um, atmospheric pressure, uh, you know, the, with the fronts come through and that, does that play havoc with your, with your distillation runs? Do you, do you find it slows it down or speeds it up or...? Any no, not really. Um, we don't get massive drops, if you like. Um, right. I'd say we're more more fairly permanently in a low. Um, we don't routinely get the highs hitting us too hard. Yeah. Um, our temperatures are, are definitely on the lower side, even on Tassie standards. We're we're averagely cooler, I would suggest, and mm. and lower barometric pressure. So. Uh, now we don't nor normally get massive fronts coming through that see that big change, big rapid changes happening. Yeah. Um, certainly temperature, we, we benefit, I guess, from our water temperature is pretty good. So we can, we can run our still fairly hard most of the, most of the year because we've got plenty of cool recirculating water. Mm. We've got five, five massive water tanks on site, so we've got a fair water storage. Mm. Um, and most of the year it's pretty cool. Do you have to filter that? water for your circulation yeah yeah absolutely yep they'll certainly clog up your clog up your pipes 
Yeah, it's it's not too bad because it, it is it's refreshed. It's uh, tanks are flushed. I was down there only only two weeks ago and um, we'd had a fair bit of run and I filled up a couple of other water tanks that I was going to use for process water and and thought, oh, geez, I've, I've drained one of the tanks a fair bit. And we had some rain overnight and I walked out in the morning when it was still belting down and our last tank in line was just pouring water out. It was just overflowing everywhere. We just, yeah, when I'd had a really big run and thought over a few weeks of being down there a fair bit that we might have might have used half our last, uh, half of our fifth tank. Um, yeah. Yeah, within a night of rain, it was pouring out the end again. So it wow. gets pretty well washed and cleaned quite regularly. Most, <laughs> most weeks, I would say. <laughs> So five five tanks that that ends up being a lot of water you've got access to. Yeah, um, yeah that's free water. That's brilliant. Yeah, no, no, it's good, mm. and it's good water. Yeah, that helps. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> but we do have to cut everything 150 kilometres to get to civilization as well. So <laughs> look, there's swings and roundabouts. Yep. <laughs> So I need to pull myself another. Not too many between the edge of the world and Brunei. Though. Yeah, so uh, you were saying before about if people want to catch up and get hold of our, our gin at the moment, um, yeah, you can jump online onto the website or uh, you can come and come and say hello to us at Gin Palooza in Sydney in October. We're going we're gonna to make our way north and come and say hello to the northerners for a, for a while and show our face up that way. So uh, I haven't bought my tickets yet. I'd better do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Seeing as I know you're coming. It's going to be a let, big weekend. Let, let us know what day it is, and I'll, I'll come with you, Lukey. That's the the end of October, so it's the 28th, 29th, and 30th, I believe. Yeah, it's more making and sure. That's the same show. Gin Palooza, you you said. Yeah, that's at the the Randwick Racecourse. The uh, yeah, I went to the last one. It was really, yeah, really the good. last one. That was what two weeks ago, wasn't it? Two weeks ago. Friday, October 28th is uh, when Jim Palooza is on. Um, I'm not going to put link up. That is way too long, but like, you can yeah. Google it. It's, yeah. yeah, that's it. Yeah. So it's, I think it's on the, the Friday, Sunday, Sunday. Friday, Sunday, Sunday, yes. Are you doing a master class? Uh, no, no, I'm not a master, so I can't do a master class. <laughs> so, what do you call yourself? Are you a me? <laughs> an amateur distiller, a professional distiller? Hey, oh, you. Uh, no, no, I'm certainly uh, certainly not. I'm I'm a learner. Um, I've got a long way to go. Um, I'm happy with where I'm at at the moment, um, but yep. I learn all the time. I read a lot. I start. I've been studying for for years and years, and uh, and read a lot, and look at a lot, and listen a lot. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm nowhere near. I, I guess I technically I'm a distiller because I distill. If you want to look at mm -hmm. the actual flat basics of, of what the definition might mean, um, yeah. but yeah, I'm certainly not a head distiller or a grand or master or any of those sorts of things. Um, just a bloke having a go. Mm -hmm. And what would you, what would you say are some of your um, your bugger me moments where you went you connected the dots, you know when when you were when you were reading and then you were applying and you had those moments where you went oh that's why now I understand. You had a few of those over the years. Yeah, I don't don't know don't know if I have. 
Um, none that really stand out. I've had lots of, I guess, just learn it. it it's, it's good when all your reading actually plays out. Yeah. I haven't had any super surprises that have side sidelined me or sideswiped me at all, I guess, in, in reality. Um, most things have been fairly well researched and rehearsed and, and practised on smaller scale and that sort of thing to, to iron things out uh, before we got there. Uh, I guess basically because we're, we're sort of self-funded, we don't have a little leeway for a massive R&D program or doing wild things. So I've really got to think about how I use uh, every little bit that we can to get the best out of it. So uh, there's a there's a fair bit of research and reading done before we go uh, putting anything on the line. And as you said, you know, you, you've got a, a good bit of resource there in Tassie, haven't you? With, with uh, you mentioned Matt Cooper and the Adams boys and that. So you, you would have uh, asked a few questions over the years. And the, those yeah, guys absolutely. Have... Um, certainly, as I said, done a lot of reading, done a lot of listening, done a lot of watching. So, so yeah. certainly just being around those guys, having them on your doorstep, the ability to just go and pop in and say hello and have a look. Transwood Cooperage have been brilliant. Laurie and Dave from there have been great. As I said, yeah. the, the whole barrel management side of it is a whole another ball game. Yeah. Uh, so to be able to, to swing by and say hi to the Adams boys and, and see how they're going and what they're doing and how they're doing things and, and then be able to just pop right next door and, and spend a couple of hours with, with Laurie and Dave and say, well, what barrels have you got and walk through their containers and and look and sniff and talk and think and, and those <laughs> sorts of things have certainly been uh, very beneficial. Mm. And you would you would have seen quite a change on the landscape, the the, the whiskey landscape, I should say, in, in Tasmania over the years, haven't you? It's, um, I mean, you look at the number of distilleries now and the, and the whiskies that are yeah. coming online in Tassie, and compare it to even say two years ago, four years yeah. ago. It's, yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's, it? and yeah, it, it only seems like every ten seconds you turn around and there's there's someone else popped up. So. Uh, it's certainly happening along fairly quickly. Um, where I where I live in Burnie is there's a I was there yesterday. There's a new distillery being built there hmm. at, at the moment. Um, the Icon Distillery, I think it's going to be called. Um, right. That's going to be built right on the highway out the front of Bunnings. Um, it's going to be quite a large one too. Funny enough, I was reading about them. Yeah. About yeah. two days ago, I just yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It just it's, stumbled it's upon. Yeah, they're certainly spending some money there at the moment, that's for sure, uh, and that'll be interesting. But the good news is they're going to have a, a whiskey bar, and his, his aim is to have the uh, the largest range of whiskey behind the bar in the southern hemisphere, oh. uh, and, and that's literally 150 metres from my house. <laughs> so you can get you can go and get absolutely sozzled on the most exotic whiskies in the world and then get a Bunnings sausage as then well. Go to Bunnings. Yep, it's right in the backyard of the distillery is Bunnings. Oh, oh. Yep. That's just that's dangerous. It's very yes. dangerous because the amount you sell and the amount you buy, <laughs> you will never be ahead. <laughs> no, I don't suppose I will be. No. <laughs> Oh gosh, I'm just, uh, I'm almost salivating over that. That would just be the dream. <laughs> no, the, oh, dream is, the dream is moving 150 k's away and living on the west coast at the distillery. That's the that's the dream. Yes, mm -hmm. I was trying to find some photos 
of the distillery. And I jumped on your Instagram, but I couldn't tell what was just scenic and what was... Um... You, you won't find many photos of our distillery because it's, uh, it's so uh, glorified hobby scale that uh, I'm too embarrassed to, uh, to put pictures up online about how, how small we do things. That'd be why. <laughs> yeah, that'd be why. <laughs> when you're taller than your own still, then it's just never a good look. <laughs> <laughs> all, all that camera angle if you if yeah, 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 camera that's it i've got to kneel down a bit more that's it that's it you stop from the ground up on an angle yeah 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 <laughs> you'll know when i've got a bigger still because then there'll be photos <laughs> well just just sort of frame i'd love to see the your, your barrel store yeah. and how all that is working and and hear the wind coming through your uh, your air vents there. I think that'd be awesome. Absolutely, yeah that that would that happens most days, so uh, that wouldn't be hard. <laughs> Sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> so within the next sort of five ten years, you want to be full time. Yep. What else? Uh, what what are you? From a distillery point of view, rather than a personal point of view, what are you aiming for? Um, not not a great deal. We're not shooting for the stars. Uh, as I said, the sort of uh, that that three to five thousand liters a year would be good. Yeah. Uh, generate a few more lines would, would be interesting. Um, we have, as I said, our second gin. We've we do have it to tasting stage, uh, and that's an interesting one. That's we're using mm. uh, Wild River Mint. Uh, and kelp, the just up the road from our distillery is a kelp farm that's been operating for decades. Oh, wow. They, they harvest kelp from the mm. beaches. So any kelp that's broken off and washes up on the beaches, they harvest it and mm. send it all over the world for all sorts of things that kelp's in for ice creams and pharmaceuticals and any thickening wow. agents and, and whatever else that they use it from. So they've been doing that for a long, long time. Mm. Uh, and I thought, well... As I say, our, our gins are about where we're from. So the, the wild river mint, which grows on the banks of the of the river, and the kelp, which is just up the road and washes up on our beaches every day, hmm. uh, are two other ingredients we've liked to have used. So, uh, and, and we'll do the same with other spirits. Um, I guess hmm. uh, you guys have played around with a honey spirit. I've been playing around with it a little bit um, as well. We've got a, a family friend that is uh, runs uh, quite a number of hives. Uh, right. so messing around with doing some barrel aged uh, honey spirit as well mm. so are you, are you doing a, uh, a mead that you're then distilling or are you yes, doing just, yeah make a, make a flat a straight mead um, yep. distill it away and then, mm. and then barrel age it for a time haven't got to the point as to whether we will then re-sweeten that with a bit of honey or, or taint it back again or just leave it straight mm. uh, but they'll be probably pretty much straight bourbon barrels and Yep. So we're getting a fair influence of honey coming off the still there as well. So that's that's going okay. Mm. Uh, yeah, playing around. I'd like to like to do a five grain whiskey. I don't know if it'll work out, but I just like the idea of that. Yeah. Uh, just just doing some oats and doing some corn based stuff as well, along with some some specialty malts and and some other grains, and mm. make a bit of a balanced five grain would be a, an interesting thing to play around with. Hmm. Uh, I'd like to do some rum just for fun. We're on the wild west coast. There's lots of shipwrecks off the coast, so I'm sure we could find a name for, for some of that. Uh, there's plenty of rum. inspiration there, most certainly. And I don't mind a bit of rum myself, so uh, I've, I've had a couple in my time. So uh, 
Mm. We may get there eventually as well. Yeah, nice. There's certainly a lot going on, or a mm. lot to come. Oh yes, yeah. There's plenty to plenty to get my teeth into. That's for sure. There's, uh, as you mm. would know, there's always lots of things you can play around with, and lots of things you can do, and lots of levers to pull. There's there's plenty of different uh, ways you can alter things. So uh, mm. we would call mm. them bright shiny things, wouldn't we, Crafty? Yeah, bright shiny objects, and and yeah. you, you need to sometimes not. Pick up bright shiny objects. Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. Get sidetracked. Yeah. yeah. I'm I'm reasonably disciplined. We have only got one gin. We haven't done a slow gin and a navy gin and a you know and everything else and a colour changing gin and a, all those sorts of things. <laughs> one gin which is which is ours and, and that's it. Hmm. Um, so I'm reasonably disciplined in that regard. I've just got a, a bit of a list of things I'd like to play with, I guess, without going too crazy. I must say I'm I'm fascinated by the the kelp. So mm. yeah, it's an interesting beast to play with as well. It's, uh... <laughs> yeah, because you you would have so much variability in in, in kelp and uh, what sort of flavour um, descriptors yeah. would you say for that? Uh, <laughs> when when okay. you do it too, when you do it too much, yuck would be the word I would use. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a fairly decent mm. flavour descriptor. Yeah. Uh, and, and in the right amounts, it actually doesn't necessarily have a flavour either that's distinct. You more notice, it's it's interesting, it's a little bit like the pepperberries in our other gin in that you notice it more mid-palate. It just adds a almost okay. like a, a, a sensation or a, a, just a balance or a... Yeah. Or, you can't really call it a flavour, but you just notice that the gin doesn't just appear on the front palate and then disappear to nothing. It mm. lingers a little bit longer, and there's a there's an ongoing flavour or a, a, mm. a, for want of a better word, a umami, if you like, yes, um, yeah. a bit of a mild muted spice. It's not not a bright, sparkly, peppery spice or anything like that at all. But there's that earthy sort of earthy mid palate flavour, if you like, or a feeling on your palate. Mm. Does but it add look, any extra salt? Not particularly. It's it's fairly small amounts. You have to add it fairly. It's a bit like the eucalyptus. It, you can OD on it fairly quickly, so you've got to be super careful with it. So and only a small amount of yuck, not a large amount of yuck. Yeah, that's it. yeah less yuck is good. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, you 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 would hold it. You would run around the room. It would pick up some. <laughs> we just burn it and wave it at the door. And... <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. And throw it outside quickly. <laughs> there was a an Irish distillery. I can't remember who they are, but they were playing around with whiskey and, and kelp. And I yep. can't remember if they were smoking the kelp um, to smoke the barrels or anything. Have you heard anything of that or...? No, no, I haven't. Haven't so done that. That would be the uh, the Kurak. That's Kurak. the guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What Kurak. are they doing? They were using a seaweed charred cask. That's right. Wow. Yeah, they were using a brown seaweed varietal, um, and yeah, using that to char the cask. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. No. Not on my list of shiny. Not on my list of shiny things. Um, <laughs> But Coastal Pete is on my list of shiny things. Um, that's yeah. for sure. That's, that's coming for us. We're, we're in a fair, right. fairly environmentally sensitive area. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so most of the land around us is actual national park or, or heritage listed areas. Uh, so we you can't just a... walk in and grab a couple of yeah, no, uh, d- digging in the um, the uh, national parks probably not a good idea. Um, but there are a number of private properties around that have got access to it. So um, mm. we're looking down the track to to get our hands on some of our a local coastal peat, and we'll we'll play a lark style smoking of our uh, already malted grains, I guess to to add a bit of a uh, peated twist. <coughs> right, that'll be certainly interesting. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. My, mm. it's one of the things I've been working on over the last two or three years is my peat palette. I never used to have one at all, right? Um, uh, but uh, I'm, it's growing, growing by the week, really. Uh, so, what's your go-to peaty whiskey at the moment, then? Uh, I, I'm drinking the Highland Park, the darkest at the moment. They, right. They okay. Dual release, dual special release. They call one the light, the lighter. And one the dark, and mm-hmm. uh, the Highland Park, the darkest, sort of spurred on by the uh, the uh, eighteen. I always like the Highland Park eighteen year old. Was mm. the oh, that's classic, absolutely. Repeated for me that that went well. I like. I enjoyed. Never been a big uh, smashing Octomore fan, but uh... <laughs> it's a sometimes. It's a yeah. sometimes whiskey, absolutely. Yep. So apparently, Coralin. Uh, smokes barley with kelp. Barley with kelp. Oh, there you go. I have mm. to look up, look that up. Yep. Uh, and just a little callback. Uh, you could try using Mars bars. Put those three <laughs> still. It's been done. Could, could do. Yes, I'm sure it has. <laughs> We've spoken to someone who's done something along those lines. I think it was Stuart. It was Stuart McKenzie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to reduce my list of shiny things. So only the craziest thing I've ever heard put through a still. <laughs> Mars bar. I, I don't know. Uh, meat pie. Didn't Archie Rose play around with meat pies? Well, they did. They, they did a. They did a, a veggie mite. Yeah. Yeah. Which is odd. <laughs> I still have a bottle, and I will never finish it. <laughs> I, I donated my bottle to the shed. Yeah, research, research. research. <laughs> yeah, probably probably for the best. Uh, yeah. Before we go any further, because I don't know whether you did it last. Uh, I did. I was thrown did. under the bus. Yeah, I did a bad no, job of it. No. You, you do a good I job. I wasn't going to throw you under the bus. Oh no, bus no. Well, what I was going to do was because you probably right. didn't show our sponsors. We did. I did. You did. That was me oh. being thrown under the bus. Right. Brilliant. Uh, obviously, with Transwood, don't call them, they'll call you. <laughs> I think that. Should possibly ask them if they actually want us to push it a bit more. Yeah, probably, <laughs> probably should. Yeah. Same with Burnsy. I don't know. I mean, Robbie's got plenty of barrels. He's always got wood. So hit him up. Right, <laughs> uh, Youngy, I mean, he'll always take your call. Whether he has time for you, I'm not entirely sure, but he's 
always good to talk to. Um, but of course, Wild Wogan does have water. Yeah. And abundance so, at the moment. Yeah, that's water is not what we need right now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And then of course CCL for your labels and saver glass for your bottles. Correct. Yeah. Labels, on the other hand, we do need. Yes. Yes. All we under control. Oh good. Can never have too many labels. We can if you run out of uh, actual spirit. There you go. There's an interesting one. Four Pillars put Christmas cake in their vapor basket. Mm. Wow. Is there a weird a weird ingredient that you'd like to try? No, I don't think so. No, nothing no. that stands out. Nothing. No. I I have to I have well, to just say don't count kelp and <laughs> kelp's pretty <laughs> weird. Yeah, yeah. So that's certainly a weird ingredient. The mist, the black truffle. Ah, from... yes. Yeah. I do My wish I was paying more attention to Lucas when he was telling us how to drink that. It's it's unusual. It is unusual. Yeah. Very it's unusual. Fairly distinct and solid flavour, isn't it? Truffle. It's uh... Truffle is, yeah. Again, it's one of those polarising flavours that you either love truffle or you don't. I love truffle. Mm. I love truffle yeah, steak. On the same. Bloody but, brilliant. But it lingers on. Uh, let you know it's there. Mm. So, yeah, what is it like? It is like truffle in a in a glass is what it's very, like. Very earthy from memory. Stone and pine. Very earthy. Stone and pine distillery did a, a truffle gin a few years ago. I've still got a bottle. Mm. It's Yeah, it's very earthy. Um, it's not a gin you, you would drink all the time. That's for sure. No, it's a, it's a, it's a, a special edition type thing. It's a uh, when you're, you've got all your drinking buddies around, and you want to go, hey, I've got something you haven't had before. That's what it is. Um, it's yeah, it's interesting. I've got to experiment with it a bit more with the uh, with different tonics. I think um, trying it neat on the rocks was yeah super earthy and quite dense i think might don't be try it with sweeps it doesn't work with that I'm just putting it out there not much works with sweeps though <laughs> so soda water it was it was nice but yeah those weird ingredients those those points of difference i think is what i like about Australian gin in that there are so many different variations oh. yep. um, that it's it's endless and I'm so looking forward to trying your uh, your sea mist oh yes I have already put my order in so yeah. I did notice uh, that Inside me as we go. I was going to say, I've, I've realised what the ding is. It's certain people getting orders. <laughs> There's been a few dings. 
Yeah, because I, I put one into and then there was this ding. I went, oh, that's what it is. Here we go. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, well, Oh, yep, Fee's there. Hello. Hello, Fee. How are you? We'll see if we get a response. Oh, there we are. Evening all. <laughs> so, so we've got the gin on sale now. Yep. The uh, the sea mist. Hold on, I've, I've the wild mist. The wrong thing. Yep. Hold on, the wild mist. The wild mist. The we're not sure yet when the whiskey is coming out. No, no, that's that's playing its uh, own game. That, that will tell me. Yep, it'll let you know when it's ready. Um, but, but jump onto Edge of the World's mailing list, and they'll soon tell you. Absolutely. Yep. Sign up to the mailing list and we'll, you'll know. Watch us on the socials as usual. We don't, we're don't. we not super active. No photos of our still or anything. Sometimes photos of the distillery dog. Uh, he, gets, he gets a run. Um, but, uh, yeah, come and catch us at Jim Palooza and, yeah. and watch Jim Palooza. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to book my uh, Saturday tickets, I think, is when I'll come along. Um, a good lunchtime session of of good gin. So something that I'm always curious in, and normally we throw Todd under the bus. Oh, come um, on. I'll just do, do it for shits and giggles. See how you respond. <laughs> it will be shits on. and giggles. At this time of night, it's going to be shits and giggles. Go on, do it, do it. <laughs> All right, hold on. Oh, dear friends. <laughs> oh. Wrong. Sorry. Wrong button. Wrong button. Uh, shit, I did it again. Yeah, that's yeah. the wrong button. <laughs> <laughs> These glasses are not huge magnification. They are when you do that. I did put one up and everyone ignored it earlier, but I'll find it. Not it. Jesus. So, as <laughs> a as as a new distiller no and being in the game for for a few years now what what was the thing that that you've most uh uh it's the thing you, you didn't expect when you got into the industry when you got into to uh, you first started something took you by surprise uh pro probably the biggest thing is has been community i guess uh i've been involved in other industries and other businesses for for many years and and been involved in lots of other stuff and and certainly that uh that community within the uh the area is has been the biggest thing the, the fact that people are willing to talk to you and help you and uh and and as much as i sort of had been around whiskey and whiskey tasting and, and shows and things like that previously, but certainly getting into it and being able to talk technical details with people has been the, the biggest thing that surprised me that people are happy to go, well, oh, actually, if you try this, that, that might help you through or, mm. or this, is what you, this is what you should be doing or uh, even all the business side of it and, and that sort of thing. People are more than willing to help you uh, find your way through all the uh, the accounting and, and all the tax side of things as well, which is, is something probably the biggest thing I've struggled with, really. The, I'd, I'd uh, certainly researched whiskey in its own right 
a heck of a lot before I even tried. Um, but certainly business is, is something new to me. So that side of it and, and people are more than happy to, to help. Mm. What do you think your biggest um, mistake would have been that you've, uh, that you've learned from? <laughs> Same as everyone else. <laughs> Take your budget and times it by four and then, and, <laughs> and then factor that by two. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yeah, the, right. uh, even, yep. every, every cost has just gone, has skyrocketed since we first started budgeting. Everything's just gone through the roof. Mm. Uh, we suffered dramatically down here from logistical problems. Uh, just bash straight in its own right is a massive thing mm. for us. Um, yeah. And we've had to change some processes and things like that as well because of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we started off, because we were small scale, we started off doing 25 kilo bags of grain. Um, but we found quite quickly that we were buying Tasmanian malt, malted by Joe White, 50 kilometres down the road from where I live, that was being sent to Victoria to be bagged, to be bagged by Bintani, only for me to have to pay $350 a pallet to get it delivered back to me. Wow. Uh, so if you want 25 kilo bags of grain, you've got to pay 350 bucks a ton to get it delivered back to you when it's, <laughs> when it's, when it's processed just down the road. But hmm. if you can set yourself up to handle bulky bags, I can go and pick it up myself. Yeah, wow. And, that, and just, so, that would be a big learning. Was that like a, oh, my. <laughs> it, took me, it took me a little while, but uh, <laughs> we're, we're on to it now and we're, we're saving ourselves uh, yeah, four, four to $500 a ton. Wow, because wow. buying it in bulk, buying it in bulk is cheaper as well, and yep. uh, and you're not paying the the actual cartridge. Mm. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. How do you go well, with getting bottles and all that sort of thing? Uh, bottles are pretty good. Um, yeah, we we run through Saver Glass, mm-hmm. um, so uh, they've got a fairly yeah yeah that's it. Paul Paul, who's the uh, the rep for us, Paul Kempnich. Uh, he's really good, um, and they've got a fairly. We've used a pretty standard bottle. We're a seven hundred mil Oslo bottle, so it's a pretty, pretty standard stock standard thing. That there's plenty of stocks around, um, but mm-hmm. they're very good at, at holding things for you, projecting your stock levels, and mm-hmm. and making sure they've got stock on hand for when you might be uh, needing your your next batch. So, mm-hmm. and given that they're already in the state, we 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 do get the uh, the freight across the strait. We have to pay a little bit on that, but. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, not, right. Not really terrible. And how do you find? Sorry, just to 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 rapid fire some questions at you. How do you find then the the freight back to the mainland for individual orders? Uh, so yeah, that's he really really wants his um. He really wants his gin by Friday. What's <laughs> <laughs> up with the weekend? Overnight Express. Like, yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> I better go post it now. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that's another crippling thing. I mean, postage isn't isn't great. We don't we don't get the benefits of the uh, postage that that the wine industry gets. There, there's certainly, I, I think it's something as an industry we probably need to look at is is using our 
our group buying power to to influence those sorts of things and get get mm. rates uh, negotiated rather than on an individual basis. We can actually negotiate them as a group, mm-hmm. um, as a, as an industry itself, and, and get similar benefits to what the the wine uh, freight mm. does. Because yeah, it's it, it's expensive as you would know. You mm. order a bottle, we're charging people fifteen bucks a bottle to to ship a single bottle. Uh, mm. That that'll probably cost us eighteen or nineteen dollars. Yeah. Yeah, I was um, I was looking at that fee, going. I don't think you're making money off that. Uh, I don't no, think, no, I think we, it's we costing lose, you. We lose <laughs> we lose money on shipping. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, um, um, and going forward, our, I guess our business model isn't about running a massive online shop and shipping every mm-hmm. bottle individually. Mm-hmm. Uh, We've been in discussions with some uh, distributors on the mainland. It's. Mm-hmm. Given our slow start and our small size, we haven't really pushed that hard up until now. Uh, but mm-hmm. now we've built the capacity with the new building and and things coming along and, and a bit of growing uh, market in our own state. We're probably at the point where we're looking for distributorship on on the mainland. Mm-hmm. So that'll, that'll be our next stage as well is is finding someone to throw our juice around over over that way without us paying per bottle. Mm-hmm. Nice. Well. And, Opening up accessibility as well for, for people. Yeah. That's a potential sponsor we need to have a look at, Crafty. Distributor. We, we need to find a distributor. There's a synergy there. Because <laughs> <laughs> as you would know, logistics, logistics are a big deal. Yeah. Oh, it's huge. Absolutely. I think that's probably one of the biggest challenges for a small distillery from my perspective would be, yeah, you've you've made it, you've aged it, you've... Um, you've had all that outlay, but then when you're trying to get it out to the punter, there's not a lot of support there, is there? Not, not a great deal. No, no, certainly not, not support, if you, if you like. Um, yeah. and, and as you'd know, everyone, everyone wants their little chip out of the pie as well. So um, mm. by the time you start cutting tax and, and then you've got to sell to a distributor who's then got to sell to a wholesaler who then sells to a retail market... There isn't mm. a lot of fat left in the in the cake mm. uh, for each bottle you're selling. So you you've really got to be, you know, especially for sort of high volume, low low uh, margin things like gin, um, mm. and you've certainly got to be do- turning over some tonnage to be uh, mm. making anything sort of, making anything decent out of it. Um, yeah. I'm I'm not that not that stressed about our whiskey at this point in time, mainly because our production's been so low. I don't think we're going to be stressed for distributing whiskey. I, I think that's going to be more between our our sort of founding members and family and friends and people who've been involved with the business since the very early days. I I see our whiskey disappearing quite quite, quite quickly. Um, as long as we're on that list, it's all right. Yeah, as long as we're on that list. It'll be the other issue, I think, as as to uh, yeah, being able to make enough in the in the meantime to to play some catch up. But yes, yeah, certainly gin and logistics and posting and and freight costs are, are a massive thing for us. Mm. Yeah, definitely. We'll come and come in. Yeah. yeah, I think that says it all. For small craft distillers, just uh, distributors want too much of a cut. Yeah. Design more for the big boys. So. Yeah, yeah, mm. but. How do you how do you spread your market if you don't? That's the yeah, that's it. That's that's the thing. Double edged sword, isn't it? It's a volume equation. You've you've got to have the volume to, to uh, lower margin. 
yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's and you, and you look at the number of uh, you know people producing gins out there, and and they're not producing one. You know, I saw a figure. I can't remember where I saw it, but it was like nine hundred something gins, which is you know, fantastic. The 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 level of of, of um, the quality of gins and the flavors that that are out there, but there's a lot of gin to sell, isn't there? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Uh, I, I almost think I, I do wonder whether there's any point in actually trying to distribute as well, because I, I see the market has has been a little bit more regionalized as well. People mm. were chase the gin from a local area and, and want True. that gin when they're either in that area or hear of that area. Well, that, that was the point that the Adams boys were making me a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. It was, it's all about local. People want to buy the local gin. They don't want to buy yep. Tasmanian gin and Capertee, for instance. Yep. Mm. Yeah, I mean... Because we don't want your gin up here. Yeah, one of our biggest <laughs> sellers... One of our biggest sellers are, uh, are just up the road, the Marawar Inn, uh, which is uh, where they hold the... Uh, the International Surf Carnival, so where the, where the big waves mm. crash in, up in the bays in Marawar. Right. Um, and because of their their through traffic of, uh, of tourists, uh, they're one of our biggest sellers and they're a tiny little country pub, you know, mm. in a, overlooking a township, a coastal township of a whole 50 people. <laughs> wow. Um, and they're one of our best, best sellers uh, out of anyone. Hmm. Mm. Because it's, it's about local. Local is certainly the target. Local. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then you've got just those those collector fools like me who just buy everything. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> We're happy to post it. <laughs> no one's complaining. Yes. Indeed. Yeah. And yes, nothing wrong with selling local. Absolutely. No, absolutely not. Support local. That's, That's what we like. There's nothing wrong with buying local, by the way, either. No, absolutely. Please do more of it. If I could just wander down the road and grab a bottle of something from Crafty, it'd be wonderful. Mm. Well, you used to live next door. Well, we've we've almost hit the, the hour and a half mark, so we're probably going to have to cut her off there not, uh, not under the bus <laughs> <laughs> well look there's still like we've we've got four three and a half minutes yeah, before we hit the hour and a half so i mean we've got time throw them under the bus and let them wrap it up there we are it's not me oh, shit. <laughs> it's just like it's it's, it's right clear. it's right next to it and it, it I, I can't help it if I, I haven't changed. I haven't changed. It's just glasses. Anyway. They're not just glasses. And now it's time for Throw the Todd under the bus. So, Todd, so you, you've uh, recently completed your certificate of distilling with the Institute of Brewers and Distillers in, in the yeah. UK, yeah. what was yeah. your most technically challenging thing? And Lee, what's your comments on it? 
what Todd says. There we are. Wham. Technically challenging thing about doing the course or? Yeah, yeah. Or your learnings. What was, what was, for you was the hardest thing to conceptually to get, to get under your belt? Uh, good question. <laughs> and that's why we call it throwing. We'll wait. We'll <laughs> <laughs> wait and wait. Look, I guess. He's supposed to ask the question. <laughs> what I found most challenging was the fact that, that, that I had a apprentice that was teaching me how to do distilling and some of the stuff that I was learning was not quite the same as the apprentice teaching me how to distill. <laughs> and that, that sort of was a bit, bit frightening. But no, it was just my biggest downfall was, was overthinking things when I got to the exams and talking myself out of stuff that I should have, that I, I actually knew at the start, if that makes sense. So. Such as what was what's the biggest selling grain in the world? Quinoa. Right? <laughs> All of the above. What is the biggest selling grain in the world? Well, it's not wheat. Let's put it that way. Rice. Rice, rice is a grain. Got to be rice. No, it's 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 maize. Maize. Yeah. What do you use maize for? Corn. 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 We'll just call it corn. Corn's in everything. I'm sorry, Michaela, but hops is not a grain. <laughs> uh, and what would my comments on that be? Uh, <laughs> I guess. My comments would be that I too have thought I know things and have been trying to teach myself things that I didn't actually know all along and now I found out. So being, Welcome, my, own, Michaela. being my own apprentice, um, uh, yeah, I've learnt, learnt that I don't know everything as well. Even though <laughs> There's I'm always old. something new to learn. Oh, yes, there is. And Michaela, enjoy the journey. That's all we can say. <laughs> it's a very slippery slope, and once you're on it, you can't stop. Ah, that's the thing. It's addictive. Mm. Once you're on it, it's a slippery slope to buying everything, tasting everything, and just wanting to know all the ins and outs. Yeah. And that's as someone who's not actually doing it every day. So it's, it certainly is one of those. It's an interesting science, and and, and as I, as I say, the, the gin never appealed to me in the first place. But um, it's certainly uh, the it's a it's a whole new world, as as we are the other spirits be, I'm sure. But uh, mm. yeah, the science is, is absolutely fascinating. Well, I look forward to your salty rum. Uh, on mm. that note, we should probably wrap it up. Thank you so much for joining us, Lee. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. it's been a pleasure. I think you're probably the most remote distillery we've spoken to so far. So far, yeah. Yeah, and yet your internet connection is probably better. It's better than, it, it was, than many it others. So, actually, actually, it probably is. I, uh, a, uh, I'm not actually at the distillery at the moment. I'm on the northwest coast. I'm, I'm over in Burnie. <laughs> 
Uh, but the internet connection at the at the uh, distillery is really good because we we've gone with Starlink, so we've gone with uh, satellite. Oh, right. Elon Musk Starlink, and it's it's brilliant. I'm going to have to talk to you about that off air because I'm so interested to. Yep. Yeah. Hear a bit more about that. That's really cool. Uh, thank you all for joining us. Uh, we will be back in two weeks' time. Who have we got? Crafty, do you know? No, not off the top of my head. <laughs> that's, that's what we um, like. Forward planning. Um, I'm going to pronounce it wrong. Up here and things like that. Send me a text on Wednesday. They'll be fine. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> <We're really> sorry. <laughs> yeah. So I'll take I'll take the blame for that. I'll take the blame for that. Uh, I, we've got um, uh, Rick and Kyle Prosser from, uh, I'm going to pronounce it wrong, Kaiki Moon? Kaiki Moon? Kaiki Moon? That's how I pronounce um, it. You'd be wrong. But you'd better check whether they're still good for that. I better check. Mm. I better check. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, catch us in, in two weeks' time. I'm really sorry I haven't put up our Adams chat well, Todd and Crafty's Adam's chat on the website and iTunes and Spotify as yet. I'm, I'll do that tomorrow. This episode will go up on um, on all the things tomorrow as well. So then you can listen to it on your on your drive and all that sort of thing. And you know, just keep listening to the dol- the, the sultry sounds of our voices. <laughs> the dultry tones. Dultry yeah. sounds. Sultry. Apparently I've I've insomnia. I finished a lot of that westward, so <laughs> uh, please do like and subscribe on Facebook, on YouTube, on and of course see the website. The website for those that have forgotten already. Uh, I don't have a banner for it. We do have a running competition, apparently. Oh, fuck, we do so. So when we, we, what was it? When we get to 800. Yeah, 800. 800 of something, then people will get something. That's right. And we have a few things to fill that. So if you wouldn't mind subscribing, that would be wonderful and will help us reach that magic milestone and then we can figure out what the fuck we're doing with it and how we're going to do it we need but, more than two people otherwise it doesn't yeah, yeah it's up to all you good people to uh make that happen if you want to get i think we've got we've got cooper for a day i mm-hmm. say don't count them all down <laughs> I know we've got Cooper for a day. Youngie's like, yeah. he hits me up about that all the time, saying, when are you coming down to... to I know, to we need to... Really when are you going to do it? All the time. Like, come to Sydney. Um, we've got McHenry. Yeah. A, a nice night at McHenry. Yeah. He said that. It's on air. We've got it recorded, so he's got to stick to it now. Um, and then, then I'm starting to get a bit thin, but I'm sure there's a few others there somewhere. I'm sure there's other things. So just you know, just get everyone to like and subscribe, and we'll be cool. Afternoon at Edge of the World, of course. This is... <laughs> of course. Afternoon at Edge of the World, yeah. 
hold, hold on to the rocks and enjoy the wind and the, the sea spray. Feel the wind in your hair. <laughs> Lovely. That's long gone. <laughs> Is that where it went? Luke. It got blown away. Luke, do you know what, what? this is? This is called wrapping it up. Oh, fucking hell. Oh. <laughs> all right. I'm going to wrap go. it up. Thank you all. Thank you for joining us. And uh, we will. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. you've done it again. <laughs> One of those buttons is sticky, isn't it? It is. It's a very sticky button. I'm what do you do? It. Find a way to delete it. <laughs> I'd like to see you try. The funny thing it's is that everyone... get rid of it, it's still there. I try. I tried to hit the, the delete button then, and yeah. it just I don't know, it just kept on popping up. It's I... good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs> good night. <laughs>